0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Penalty Loop podcast, a podcast about biathlon by Jordan Gottschalk from Penalty Loop and a regular guest, RJ Weiss from Biathlon Analytics. Hey, Tobias, thank you. uh, Or is it Tobias or Tobias or? We would say Tobias. Tobias. Okay, we'll stick with that. Welcome on our uh, our podcast and, and thank you for taking the time. Um, Jordan is currently still driving. Uh, there was some, uh, traffic jams that he got stuck in. So, um, he might pop out and go to his laptop when he gets home. But, um, are you okay to give a brief introduction? I did some, some research, uh, on you, but, uh, maybe just in general, kind of how you got into biathlon and where you grew up and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I'm, um, Norwegian. Uh, growing up in Oslo, uh, not far from the home call, uh mm. arena. Uh, I didn't start out with biathlon very young, uh, more, I think, in the age of like 12, 13. And um, yeah, um, went to the sports gymnasium up in Lillehammer. And then I um, yeah was in a junior national team some years uh had some i would say junior age uh, success as an athlete not and then having a lot of trouble doing this kind of uh, step into the senior ranks and yeah a lot of illness some injuries just like every year something seemed to happen and then with the kind of high level of the Norwegian team that we have seen Mm. throughout the years, it's uh, super difficult to break through. And, yeah, that's when my active career kind of
0: ended. Right. But I I looked at your results, and um, I see that your average rank is third.
1: That's not too bad. In
0: category in, like, uh, in Norwegian? uh, No, you did uh, uh, two IBU cups. And you got Ah, a second and fourth. (laughs) Yeah. So that's not but, too But um, the other thing I saw is that you retired pretty early because in your uh, junior world championships, you raced against Seaman Ader and he's still going. So I don't really uh, <laughs> see why you're not.
1: No, again, this was, um, as I say, this, um, <laughs> uh, like I had five years of basically from the age mm-hmm. of like 18, 19. Then I had five years of like nothing really working. Um, yeah. and then like five years later, you see the guys that you were fighting with in junior national, I, uh, junior world championships. Uh, at that time, uh, Andy Birnbacher and Nikolai Kruglov, mm-hmm. and some of these guys. You know, I yep. was still fighting to almost get the uh, IBU Cup selections, and these guys were winning world cups and wearing yellow beards. Right. So, yeah, then it's then I turned into coaching. I was still, right, like, right. Um, the last three years of my active career, I also did uh, coaching
0: education in this sport university in in Oslo.
2: Okay.
0: And, and that was always uh, focused on biathlon or was it more general coaching in sports?
1: No, that was uh, biathlon specific. Uh, okay. Uh,
0: yeah. And so when so you grew, grew up in uh in Oslo not too far from home colon is was that an area as a kid you would go to and play around or it's a park right if it's not used for events
1: yeah it's uh it's like a training area and uh when I started skiing I was also like uh, I started biathlon but then I also we had a great group of um cross country uh guys uh from the home, like the local ski club there right and we were just using this arena as our uh, playground uh training uh and incorporating a lot of friendly competitions like uh swimming over this uh the pond that was in the homocomb uh, okay. ski jump uh, in the summers like swimming over there and then running all the stairs up like making mini competitions out of uh, <laughs> everything so yeah this for sure was a inspirational place to grow up and
2: yeah nice
0: and then for um, when there were races in in biathlon or cross-country skiing would you be able to just walk to home and colon and and just find a spot wherever i mean i guess you had to had to pay in the stadium but other than that you can just
1: yeah the area around uh, Oslo is filled with uh, actually thousands of kilometers of uh, uh skiing tracks uh, right. surrounding the whole area so when there's enough snow there is yeah endless uh, opportunities there um and to, to go to to and from training with with biathlon is more complicated because you yeah, you need to have the rifle and when you're right uh underage you need your parents to come. But um for for cross country practice I used to like walk or if I was late I run. Uh mm. these like ten fifteen minutes to the stadium nice. and then join the practice and then run back home.
0: Right. Ah oh, that's uh <laughs> not a bad day for, for work. <laughs> um so so you raced in the early two thousands. Was was biathlon as big as it as it was now in Norway?
1: I think uh, from a spectator view, maybe not quite, but still uh, almost. You know, we have uh, some amazing athletes of this era, mm-hmm. uh, like Björndal, Andresen, Hanovall, all these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but from a uh participant standpoint it's uh really blew up after like my age like this, okay. this uh uh three four five years younger than me that's when the like the the numbers of uh, competitors in in youth and junior ages really started to blow up in in Norway. Well, after they saw you or after they saw <laughs> liononar yeah one <laughs> of the two yeah
0: yeah Moving on to your your coaching career, so you, you, I'm assuming you coached before you went to the Polish women national team. Yeah, was I that in quite, uh, in Norway?
1: I have a quite long and in uh, how would you put it? Um, yeah, eventful kind of uh, coaching career. Uh, I started off uh, three years in the, um, uh, like regional team uh okay. in in Norway in the Lillehammer region um then called team StarCraft um and then after that I was actually 2 years in Switzerland uh mainly coaching the um, uh Swiss uh, women biathletes the Gasparin uh, sisters
2: okay
1: yeah. um then I went back home to Norway uh, for two years uh, with a Norwegian national uh, B and junior team. And after that, I was um, three years uh, in Sweden with the Swedish team. I still lived in Norway, but coaching the Swedish uh, junior and B team, was chief of development at this time. This is like then (coughs) uh,
0: post-Sochi Olympics. any frowns from people around you about going to the arch enemy? Yeah, for sure. There's
1: a lot of comments. Um Sweden, Norway and all of sports and winter sports for mm-hmm. sure. Uh at that time, you know, Sweden was quite far uh down. This was the time when uh Hanna Magnuson, Sebastian Samuelson, these guys were just juniors, uh I- And the rest of the Swedish team was for sure having a down down period. Uh, So then the rivalry was not as uh, fierce as you would say it it is now.
0: So when you saw like Anna Magnussen and Hannah and and, like, did you already feel that they could be uh, pretty good when they're getting a bit older? Like, did they already stand out a lot? Or
2: yeah, for
1: sure, you could see that they have both uh, physical and mental. Uh, abilities that could grow into something really, really special. They, they had also success in these junior categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hanna with a double, uh, double gold in junior worlds uh, down mm-hmm. in Romania it was a really cool uh, experience. Um, right. uh, she came there actually as a little bit of an underdog. She was not really viewed as the most talented of this uh, group, but she. She is just a super
0: hard and smart worker, and right, yeah. Who were the the athletes that were kind of the the favorites
1: uh, at that time in that group? Uh, both, I would say, Anna Magnusson and also Sophia Mir was like the, a little bit the third girl in this group. They were all the same okay. age, and they were maybe viewed as bigger talents in um, mm. in a way, and. Okay. But yeah, I've learned that you cannot really uh, judge 18, 20 year olds uh, and say that this is like definitely this one is a, uh, the bigger talent. Yeah, yeah. This one, like, huh. so many examples of people having, uh,
0: yeah, developing in different speeds. Right, All right. Um, okay, and then so after the Swedish team
1: yeah uh then i actually (laughs) then that was my first stint with the polish team i was uh this is then the year of uh, pyeongchang olympics Hmm. um a little bit out of the blue i got a chance to to coach the women's team for this olympic season Hmm. uh a challenge that i took this was also i would say um uh, a little bit of a last dance kind of team we know with a lot of experienced athletes uh with that had uh, some uh, good success uh, gusik uh, Novakovska, griston and hehnitz mm-hmm. like the four the four big one uh, big yeah, ones yeah. and uh, like there it was quite clear that this is like the the last time that all these four are going to to have a relay team to, to try to do something, right. uh, special there. Um, so that was really, really exciting. Uh, we also had a young Camilla Souk in this team mm-hmm. at the time she was a junior. Um, so that was a, a big, big challenge. Um, we, yeah, we came close to doing something special, but, uh, we couldn't really. Finish it. We we I don't know if you remember. We we actually were leading the relay in Pyeongchang uh, after three legs, and then yeah, we finished seventh out of mm. after the last leg. Uh right. still really close to the podium. Only like 43 seconds or something. Not that I am uh, thinking about this race
2: uh, <laughs> no, a lot. Just, no, no. But you
1: just don't know to the second. Everything. Yeah, just know that we <laughs> lose by 43.6 seconds. Mm-hmm. And, that was, ah. and we still finished seventh in the relay, which is like a super close race. So
0: Right, right. And I, I didn't have time to look up all the, the stats, but I think Novakovska had some medals in the World Championships. That year or the year before? Is that right?
1: No, not that year. That was a couple of years earlier. Uh, okay. th- this was like she came back. Uh, this was her. Uh, she came back after giving birth to the twins. Right. Right. Um, and then she came back for one last season as a twin, uh, mom. This was the, right. like the one Olympic season, so she gave it like one, one last go. Hmm. Uh, she had ah, some that good was... results there, like she was a couple of times in the, like top six uh, in the World Cups, but no, right, right. no,
0: uh, yeah, no medals. Mm-hmm. And then, so after the Olympics, uh, your contract was done and...
1: Yeah, uh, it was done. So then um, without medals, then I guess that was not good enough. Hmm uh and then I got a chance to to go to china uh okay so uh yeah and i had the four year uh period there with uh, this china uh team which was for sure really uh interesting uh right. i would say we had um uh, like the and after a period there uh yeah there was a lot of uh, things always changing after one and a half year also uh Olaynar and uh, Daria uh uh-huh. came in as coaches and yeah we had a we tried to do also there something really special but um this whole covid situation and everything really Made yeah, it difficult to Didn't help to
2: get done what we yeah,
0: what we were hoping for. Right, right. And then was that up till the uh Beijing Olympics? Yeah. Uh
1: so okay. I was there then throughout the Olympics and then after that uh, I got a request to
3: rejoin the Polish team. Uh hmm. and then yeah, that's my current Situation right, right, so when you came back to the Polish team, did they make you interview and do all that stuff before, or were they just like, "Oh yeah, come on back, we're happy to see you um no, no, it was a little bit uh for sure, uh
1: like they knew a lot of the key personnel they knew me from before we kept in contact um I guess uh, key persons in the athletes group were also happy about
3: the the return mm-hmm. right um going back to china just for a minute when you were coaching china were you were you living full-time in china
1: no i was uh living in living in Lillehammer
2: uh with okay. my family and uh yeah as i said this china um
1: uh, like the the frames kept uh changing you know what like mm-hmm. what how are sure. we doing this? And we 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 always tried to to make it as um, uh, like as professional and good as we wanted. But the mm-hmm. uh, first of all, the Chinese system is uh, really not that easy to change quickly. And then mm-hmm. uh, when we had this whole COVID uh, situations with crazy lockdowns and. Like they were not able to go out, we were not able to come in. When hmm. we were able to come yeah, in, gracious. we were able to where we had to be there for long, long periods and doing like long quarantines to get in. Right, right. That uh, just made everything very, very complicated.
2: Right.
3: Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I mean, it's just and 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 I have to imagine that there was some pretty significant i'm not gonna say like language barriers but also just like just cultural barriers yeah that's that's the way of saying it right and just just trying to 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 communicate sometimes or like just trying to like get across an idea would be much more difficult than it would be dealing with uh you know some of the athletes either in poland or sweden or uh switzerland that you had you had you know coached previously
1: Yeah, for sure. That's a huge, huge difference. And in the beginning, you know, we didn't have any translators. And uh, like the language or their English level was for sure, extremely limited. Mm -hmm. Then you have to like simplify everything you do. So you like every feedback, every just to organize the, the, the training sessions need to be really, really simplified. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, for the first year, we did not have a year and a couple of months, we did not have any translators. And then suddenly we had three translators. <laughs> and, and, yeah. but none of them had any sporting background. So, so basically, huh. even though you know, they, they speak good but not perfect English, you then yeah. have to also teach them sporting terms you have to teach them biathlon specific terms You kind of need to teach them the whole sport before they can really work well uh and then suddenly two of them were gone we had only one and then uh yeah this this was the kind of stuff that's um
0: we the sure. kind of challenges yeah. made yeah. it interesting <laughs> yeah i i was i've always wondered um about that chinese biathlon team because as far as i know china has a, a pretty strong shooting culture when it comes to like um shooting performances on the olympics like the actual handgun or rifle shooting i don't know what it's called even but um and as far as i know cross country skiing is not something that's uh on the radar a lot there Um, could you, was there a difference between, you know, knowing more about shooting than about skiing or would you say,
1: um, in general, you know, this, uh, China is such a huge country, uh, Mm -hmm. and I like the rifle shooters or the shooting, um, specific, uh athletes they are not necessarily in the same area at all right. or have any contact with the um, those who do biathlon you know it's uh, very very select small uh mm. areas that you you have athletes this is mostly the northern like logically the, the where you have uh snow uh, right, right. Um, so it's it's these areas that that produce basically all the all the biathletes or all the skiing right. uh, mm-hmm. uh, athletes. And also, these like the, the regions inside of China are basically same. Like the differences there are many times bigger than the differences
2: in European countries. Right. Uh, yeah.
3: So the olympics finish up your your contract with china ends up you know you 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 had the opportunity to come back to the polish team so you did you you mentioned that that a lot some of the athletes were were pretty excited about uh about you coming back um which i was going to say seems is is interesting cuz a lot of the uh the women who uh you know that you know, I've, I've been excited about with the polish team are so young so you know did you have a lot of contact with him uh beforehand or was it more of like the the older athletes who kind of were later in their career
1: yeah this was mainly the, like the two athletes that i had uh worked that uh was uh kamila Suk and mm-hmm. uh, anna monka mm-hmm. so those were the two that i that i knew from from before the rest of them were all like just names and uh Names on the IBU Cup list or how you would say it. I, sure. I would still follow them a little bit, you know, talking with Polish coaches or service guys and saying, like, I I saw that someone did something good on a Junior Worlds or an IBU Cup. But, yeah, they were unfamiliar for me uh, mm-hmm. before I signed.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah, because uh, Camila Zouk, uh, I mean, she's right now, I guess, why well, she's not competing Right now, right because she's out with uh, with injury, but you know she's still only twenty six. But I think she's got the most career races on your on your squad right now.
1: Yeah, by far. Um, yeah. So yeah, she and Anna uh, was the two with only with some relevant World Cup experience. Yeah. Uh, when I took over, Yakiella uh, and Sidorovich both had like some some races but not uh, for sure not not a lot of mm-hmm. world cup experience
3: well it, well they're getting it now um and, and uh-huh. i think you know part of the reason you actually you can ask rj this but uh, you had been on my on my list of people i wanted to interview for a long time um but uh part of the reason for really you know wanting to do it now is because i think you guys came out of the gates you know in and in, uh, in ostrasund with uh, a great uh, great individual race So, um, and that's even without, uh, Camila Zook even, even being able to compete. So, um, you know, I was actually curious what kind of things, when you came back to the Polish team, what, what did you identify as things that you really wanted to focus on and and how did that develop over the last year and, and through this summer to get to the point where you are now?
1: For sure. I, I just, um, I I kind of make this overall like uh, trying to evaluate what they have been training uh, mm-hmm. uh, on a physical level. Um, first year just trying to really make them understand how I uh, feel different training sessions should be done, how I build mm-hmm. up the uh, let's say the, the weekly or monthly and then yearly um, structure of the training, which sessions are important, which sessions you it's not that important that you can use. like So just trying to build a base of how to do the different sessions uh, gets uh, quite high volume of hours of
2: training. Um, and uh, yeah, I think this year too uh, has a
1: lot to do with them really understanding what I want them to do, and that they have consistency in their in their training over time. Uh, because they have had a lot of coaching changes, this and going back and forth between programs, going back and forth between coaches, and uh, yeah, that's. For some, it can give a short-term f- effect, but I think for a long, over a longer period, it's better to to work with um, one coach or one system or one yeah, way of mm-hmm. thinking.
0: Yeah. And are you sure. there all the time, or are you traveling back and forth? Or
1: um, traveling back and forward, and also they are traveling back and forward.
0: We have a mm-hmm.
1: basically a um, summer our summers are we are more or less 50-50 on camp and at home Mm -hmm. Um, but I do have the um, I would say the strength that uh, the strength for the team and for me that I can take uh, the team to some longer training camps in Lillehammer at my home Mm -hmm. Um, so this year we had Two times, first in June and then in September, August, September. Uh, we had uh, like two and a half, three, like, more or less three-week camps. So mm-hmm. that time I'm at home. Uh, right. um, I can be with my family, but I can still work. Yeah. Right. They have a chance to have a training camp in what I feel is also probably one of the best places to, to actually have a training camp. And then also we did the, we did the pre, pre season in Shushan, which is Mm -hmm. then I'm also staying at home. Uh, so driving to and from Shushan, this 15 minute drive. Uh, so that lets me be at home for basically two full months, uh, -hmm. in total, but still being with the team and coaching them. And so then it's not that many days of traveling away.
2: Uh, Yeah.
0: And do you
1: team up with other teams sometimes, like other nation? Sometimes, uh, not a lot. We, in Lillehammer, we had a couple of sessions with, um, uh, with Norwegian uh, national team. We got to test ourselves with, on some uh, (laughs) tough running intervals with them. So Happy about that. We, um, I invited uh, Lotta uh, Lee from mm-hmm. the team, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which also is an athlete I know from, from before. Like if she wanted yeah. to join us for some sessions when we are there to give us some sparring, to give her some sparring. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not, uh, we don't have any like uh, fixed corporations, but we are, when we see the opportunity, we kind of, uh, right. yeah. We we join we we joined the Norwegian team for a test race. Uh, that was not this year. That was last uh, last fall actually. Like okay uh, yeah, for a yeah. test race in Oberhof when both we and Norwegian women were there at the same time. We joined them for a test race. So uh, yeah, nothing fixed, but we try to take take our chance when we when we have the
0: opportunity. Right. So is it is the relation like I can see with the WAX teams that they have are a bit more secretive between the two nations, but as coaches, I mean you coming from Norway and having worked with Sweden, like is the is it pretty open towards each other? Yeah, I have there is
1: nobody in like this coaching ranks that I would say I'm hiding <laughs> any secrets from. Right. Um I I truly believe that's sharing sharing knowledge uh yeah this is a great way to to work i have a lot of great friends from my earlier coaching jobs uh, with sweden with uh, now from from the china uh hmm. team we had um, both eric uh, kulsta uh, which is now head coach of the finnish uh, team and mm-hmm. we have uh, Jean-Pierre Amat, uh, shooting coach for the French. Uh, mm-hmm. Two great friends of mine that I keep discussing all the time with, and yeah. So that was I so many that, that uh, you you just keep talking with everyone. There's uh, yeah. really a super friendly and knowledge sharing uh, community of coaches, I would say, mm-hmm. on IBU, or, uh, yeah, on the IBU circuits, right.
0: Yeah, I always loved that when, uh, I think recently there was a final shooting of the race where two athletes and then one of them missed and one didn't, and then the coaches just congratulating each other. I I, I like seeing that, it's, uh, you know, yes, it's competitive, but at the same time, you, there's a lot of respect to, for each other, it seems.
1: Yeah, and that goes on in the top level. I guess there is a mm-hmm. little bit more rivalry going on with the top, top teams, but also right. yeah. like. We are not the ones like scoring really high, but um, on a, on a like steady basis. But uh, everyone mm-hmm. noticed, or not every but a lot, a lot of people, like surprisingly, many come and congratulate us when we do something a little bit extra. And this could be like nice f- for our group now, it could be like scoring points, and right, mm-hmm. like um. Yeah, for sure. After this individual in uh, in uh, Usterson, we got there was so many people that was just uh, it felt like they were super happy for me, super happy <laughs> for the team, and yeah, that
3: was really warming.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Did you know that was coming? Could you feel that there was a uh, some great performances that were that were just about to come out?
2: I have to admit, not not at that level. Um,
3: yeah,
1: I felt confident that we had made steps uh, yeah. in like basically all areas: skiing, uh, shooting, stability, mental strength, all these kind of technical, tactical, all the elements. I feel that we are making steps, but at the same time, we are not doing that many standardized uh like biathlon is super difficult to measure pure performance like if you're Mm -hmm. if you're a hundred meter runner or Mm -hmm. swimmer in like things is quite standardized it's very easy to see your development
2: right
1: like you're running your 800 meters one second faster than you did last year that's Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good thing. Like you cannot take yeah. that away from someone doing track and field, but uh, biathlon is so complex and difficult to measure uh, performances that you always believe, but uh, you also teach yourself to be like uh, a little bit careful about being too optimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but we we did the opening races in Shushan. With the Norwegians, we know they are super sharp. There, going into their season, we came just a couple of days earlier, didn't really have time to prepare for the races, and still had some good, uh, good performances um, with uh, not our full wax team, just and not our best skis. So those performances were sure uh, giving me some some positivity. Um, the Germans, the Italians were also there. We saw that we were definitely quite okay. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So, but no, I did not expect two girls in the top <laughs> eleven, really close to the <laughs> yeah. top ten. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, so close. That um, basically all all our athletes are making personal bests. Uh, yeah. This in the first two two world cup stations that's really cool
3: yeah what more can you ask for and 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 rj might have more on this too but it seems like like they're all skiing much faster than they have previously too and not not like by a little bit but significantly so like they i don't know if if i don't know if your wax guys are just like nailing it right now or you know i
1: I mean i yeah uh, i was just going to say it i um i will always take a little bit of the uh credit Credit. uh we have good uh most of the credit goes to the athlete themselves they are the ones doing the work i'm just Mm -hmm. trying to help them as much as i can giving them uh the tools and the guidance but then uh i think for sure our or i know our um our wax techs have been knocking it out of the park to use your uh, kind of racing. <laughs> um, they've been super good. Uh, they were good all last year, but I think they, mm-hmm. they've done something really, uh, really special this uh, first couple of uh, stations.
3: And it it has to be more difficult this year too right with the the floor ban uh really being in effect and uh the the the, not even just that though but the wildly different conditions from the the test race to östersund and now in hochfielsen and and it looks like uh is going to be a little bit closer to hochfielsen but just maybe a little bit colder uh by a few degrees but um you know those are those are pretty different conditions and it seems like they did a i mean I didn't see a huge change in in performance from the athletes from from week to week.
1: No, um, yeah, there. Uh, with this floor band, you know, you're talking about floor being a little bit the equalizer, uh, especially in mm-hmm. the warmer conditions. The individual pair of skis uh,
2: has a bigger influence, and uh, for sure. We are not
1: the ones selecting the skis first, like our guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We are not the highest priorities for these uh, ski brands because we have not proven that in the wrestle <laughs> that we are worthy. Mm-hmm. So, um, but then again, it's just uh, my hats off to the to the guys. Um, uh, I'll mention them by name: Jan, Melis. Uh, Marius and Maciek, they are really doing a hell of a job with um, uh, not
0: the highest uh, budget, to put it that way. <laughs> I've always wondered about that because, I mean, I know fluor Wax is, is quite expensive and, you know, having to use that for testing and, and the whole weekend and big team. Do you think that leveled out? uh the bigger teams with the smaller teams a bit now that there is no Fluor? Because I think Fluor is the most expensive part of the waxing, is that right? Uh, Other m- than, the most you know, the, expensive the truck
1: is that. to always having to try everything new. And now there is a right. lot of new stuff on the market hmm. because right. everyone is trying to find the new
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, thing that's working and like nobody can afford to say, no, we will not test the new stuff. Mm-hmm. So everyone has to kind of, it's its super expensive, this whole transition. Individually, yes, the, the fluor products were really expensive, but now having to change out your whole uh, uh, storage, your whole bank of waxes and trying every new product that all the brands are bringing, you know, you, you have zero right. experience uh, going back these guys they they are like um uh, books like they they have everything in the books uh mm-hmm. from what happened in Lenserheide um 7 years ago when the tour de ski was here you know these uh right. they know that okay this product from this manufacturer worked on this kind of humidity and Ugh. but now all this all this knowledge is basically uh you have to start from scratch again like you have to build up this huge database of knowledge and you cannot afford to to say that yeah we will not try your new products even I, though yeah very yeah. very at the moment very very high percentage of them are not working at all even though so now it's uh, now it's really expensive for all the teams. Maybe this cost will go down a little bit going
0: forward, mm. but yeah, at the moment, for sure not. <laughs> so how did you, how did you find uh, these uh, four guys? Are are they all Polish or
1: um, no, two of them are Estonians? Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because you, you have a you have a love for Estonian uh, waxers, or yes, uh, love them, love the Estonian wax guys. Uh, these guys, <laughs> um, I don't know if you can have them on. They're uh, I don't know if their language is uh, appropriate sure. for. Uh, for broadcasting. Do you mean to but, speak uh, English enough, uh, or? <laughs> are <really funny. laughs> or
0: are you talking about other appropriateness?
1: <laughs> no. Uh, no, they um, uh, they were brought in by uh, the most famous Polish athlete of all time, mm-hmm. more or less. Uh, that's not doing ski right. jumping. Uh, when when I came took the job, uh, Justyna Kowalczyk mm-hmm. uh, right. was the sport director of uh, Polish Biathlon. So she together with uh, the president was the guy bringing me in, and they were also the guys bringing in these two Estonian uh, waxer that uh, she had been working with uh, earlier.
0: So okay. Were well, they? Would like they were waxing for her at when she was uh, at her peak, or? Uh, no, they're younger than that, but they uh, okay.
1: they were waxing for. Uh, like the team that she was, when she was in cross country, she had a mm. team on the, like a, she was coaching a group of athletes in cross country. Okay. Uh, and yeah, that's where we got them and uh-huh. we're keeping them.
3: Yeah, <laughs> never let them go.
1: No, we, we have them. <laughs> they have the same length of the contract now as I do. So we.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah.
3: Tie, tied together at the hip. hope so. So the other big, uh, the big thing that's sort of been impacting biathlon sort of, it's definitely been impacting biathlon it's COVID. Right. And, and this is what the fourth season of COVID I can't have lost track now, but it seems like, you know, we've had more people who have missed races this season than I can remember. And it's only been now we're in our third week, but it, it just seems like every week it's like, you know, large numbers are missing. So, um, How are you guys dealing with that? Are you guys, you know, trying, you know, reinstituting like masks? Like, what do you, how are you guys dealing with it?
1: Um, the main thing we're doing is, uh, we're trying to keep mostly to ourselves, like uh, being normal, normal, healthy, keeping this hygiene, um, basics, um, at a good level. Um, Mm -hmm. we're not overusing masks in our team uh if someone is getting a little bit sick we encourage that like we separate them as well as we can we try to Mm uh like they will they will be using masks but so far we have been very lucky or good i don't know uh with our measurements we have uh, managed to stay uh really healthy um uh I did catch it, uh, just around this opening weekend in Shushan, national opening there. So then I mm-hmm. excluded myself, uh, as much as possible for the team. I'll That's be... a true coach, hey? Just taking it for the
2: team.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. uh, it, it's super frustrating. You know, you want to be there oh. close. Uh, I am the only coach for the women team. So yeah. it's not like, uh, you know, when the Swedish, Coaches have one out. They they mm-hmm. they have three, four more. Sure, it's rotating in uh, other uh, guys. We have in our team. We have one men's coach, one woman's coach. Uh, at that time, the the men had their preparation in in Finland. We had ours in Norway, Sushen, and uh, like I kind of have to do um, my yeah. job, but still I. The most stupid thing I would do is to, to stay too close and then give like the whole right. team COVID one week yeah. before the World Cup starts. So um, yeah, this this um, it's it's like um, uh, for sure some flashbacks, but still people are just I think they're treating COVID. too like a little bit more serious for sure than normal a normal cold yeah um so that's where we are now like everyone is also worried that you don't want to get sick you don't want to get a normal cold uh, yeah sure um, and you shouldn't compete or train
2: hard uh for sure if you're sick also with a normal Mm -hmm. cold um and then if it's actually also
1: the COVID, we we still have or we have more and more um evidence that uh this can be more serious if you mm-hmm. uh train, if you compete, push your body yeah. uh with mm-hmm. that. So it's basically just one more level of uh yeah, uh taking care about your health being more careful uh and uh I, I guess if the, the same symptoms and not COVID, some of these athletes would stay in the team. Some of these athletes would actually maybe race even or come back to racing earlier. Mm-hmm. But when it is COVID, it's much easier to say, okay, then skip this uh, World Cup station, isolate, go back home. Um Yeah because it is now you may, faster and it is more dangerous so then people take more sure
3: uh, yeah. Uh, yeah you you may not actually know the answer to this because it may not be a standard thing and i guess maybe that is actually the question but is is testing when you are having symptoms is that required at all um no you know there's so like
1: no, no okay. like, ibu guidelines there is no ibu or there is ibu guidelines about health prevention but there is no sure. like, rules uh, yeah, so say it's guidelines, so it's mm-hmm. basically up to every team, every athlete, uh, to make their own decisions, to make their own
2: rules. Yeah, and people are for sure handling it differently. Um, mm-hmm. but there is, yeah, you cannot really uh, blame anyone.
1: There is, there is for sure nobody like I'm super sick, but I'm still going into yeah. the common yeah. eating area and coughing uh, uh, around on everyone everyone's uh, yeah,
3: yeah. No, no nobody's being no. dumb about it you know no, i or at least uh, in my the way that what i see
1: yeah. what i feel nobody's being dumb about it everyone is being <laughs> so what was extra, the uh, <laughs> extra careful about it
0: <laughs> so what was the mental impact on you to not be so close to the team and then they had some really good results
1: yeah i actually got the positive test just after so i was okay i was close to them in the <laughs> yeah. uh, no no after uh, we had some good results oh. in the shushan and then i yeah i, I we had uh, almost two weeks of training camp in shushan after the uh, opening races and then i just came two three days after the athletes to mm-hmm. to östersund uh yeah, I stayed at home. Was ha- out of symptoms, testing, testing negative, and then I I came a little bit later, and then I wow. again tried to keep my distance for sure to be uh, safe uh, for the first period. But still, uh, still coaching them, still being co- uh, yeah. Yeah. close without hugging too much, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So well, it was good timing, right? you got it out of the way before the uh before the season started, so from good work me, you know perfect. good uh that's the <laughs> yeah
1: the good thing about having um uh, two young kids you know then you will get
3: all the all the you can get all the illness. exposure and yeah time. <laughs> you're yeah. you're telling me man just just yeah. went through the same thing here at my house yep
2: <sighs>
3: so i guess do, did you just go home did you stay at home when you were sick then?
1: I um I did ha- like I was not I was sick but minor minor symptoms
3: yeah, minor symptoms
1: um so I basically I went to the shooting range uh kept my mm-hmm. distance uh did um uh, did zeroing talk to them with uh
2: only outside and only uh, only at a safe distance and yeah so i didn't
1: didn't join the second training session in the gym for instance you know then i i sure. I, I give this yeah. over like you're doing this on your own or under the guidance of our physio and yeah just for there for the key parts but not for for everything
3: so um i i apologize i'm kind of jumping around a little bit here but um you know you, you've had these great results so far um i think that uh I, I think i've got the the numbers here correct but um you know like uh you, uh do you she she has almost matched right her career number of like her career high in points for the season and it's only been two weeks so i think she's got 30 points now and last year she had 36
1: yeah that's- makes yeah I think
3: yeah so. it it uh, yeah, so um you know, so she she's doing awesome uh Natalia Sidorovich you know has come out here and done and done really well, so with their early strong start, does that make you reevaluate kind of maybe where you're hoping to see the team the rest of the year, or do you sort of like maintain expectations and or is it like it's probably hard to do that because you you get excited right you
1: get excited and and this is the thing with all the all coaches will tell you like that. All coaches see the best in all athletes. You know, they know what they can do at their best. Mm-hmm. Um, we were fortunate enough to have uh, two of our athletes having a great day on the skis, uh, uh, having great material and shooting 19 hits in one competition. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, at that day, uh, Natalia Sidorovich did not have a good day and she did not, did not shoot well. So... Uh, like, for, for the two, for Monka and for Yakela, everything came together on this day. And, um, yeah, you, you know what is possible, but you also want to temper the expectations about, mm-hmm. like, this is the new norm, because it, it will not be the new norm. Even if we take a small or a step back uh, mm-hmm. in the next races... Um, it's still a huge step up from last season, and that's what where you kind of have to. That's the way you have to view it. Like in in Hoffelson, we were uh our young, uh, our rookie uh, Daria Gambitska. She came sixty mm-hmm. first. Uh, you know, missing uh, the first yeah. by zero point four seconds uh, with two mistakes, and all of last season we had no races where we put all four girls in the pursuit even mm-hmm. with uh, Camila suk then and the three others being the same um, so we came super close to doing something we didn't achieve last year uh, so that even even if it felt like a ah, not that good, so close uh, that. Yeah. yeah still really good that was only Daria's second, uh, uh like individual race in the world cup
2: yeah and yeah. Uh,
1: uh, yeah i don't remember she was 67 or 71 or something in in Östersund. and then she mm-hmm. she's 61 in hofelson and she was super angry about missing it with this little <laughs> but then again yeah my words to her were you 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 did a personal best just to keep keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh every race if you every race is your new personal best then yeah, things will be very good yeah. in a very short time.
3: Yeah, so my coach used to always tell me is that like even if it's a personal best, you know, I I I ran cross country and track, right? And and it was one of those even if it's a personal best by 1 second, it's still a personal best, right? You can't be upset. No. It's the best you've ever done, yeah. so um yeah. you can and can still look and back she's at like, things what?
1: you want to do better that you feel you can do better you know yes she, she's yeah. two mistakes uh, she didn't feel yeah. great on the skis she's been stronger i would say overall she's been uh, stronger in the summer training than what she has shown so far on the skis mm-hmm. so uh,
3: yeah so i, I was saying you also have to be pretty excited that i 'cause I don't know if there's a timetable for Camila Zook to, to come back, but if she's able to come back and look remotely like she did last year, then that's a that's a pretty decent four women you're able to to throw out there for a relay, right?
1: Yeah, that's for sure what i what I was planning uh in the summer. Yeah. Um she has some and even before
2: her injury she was like normally our uh physically uh, strongest uh, athlete um
1: the timetable at the moment is still uh, nothing more than cautiously cautionally optimistic um yeah she still has not started skiing um, her after a setback after like she she made the operation put in metal screws and stuff in her ankle then uh things were going quite well. She take out again these uh, metal screws, Thing, things were going okay. And then there was a setback because there is a small bone fragment still inside oh. there making oh. some making some trouble, pain and extra swallowing. So and they just keep everything uh going slower than the optimal. So oh. Uh but she's more or less been clear to like start pushing again, start pushing the these little bit the limits, start doing longer bike sessions and slowly getting back to the to, to skiing, trying skiing, and then we'll just have to see. I mean uh the goal for everyone uh is that she will get back to okay uh level as fast as possible, that she can maybe join mm-hmm. the team. Uh, at some point uh, during the season, but always the main goal has to be fully healthy going forward. Uh, So everything we'll get this season uh, we have to kind of see as a plus. uh, If that is taking part, getting some races with far from uh, optimal level, that's okay. If it means uh, she's actually coming back quite okay, quite fast, and can be uh, back to, I would not say her best, but uh, a decent level at the last trimester, that would be awesome. Uh, Mm -hmm. But all in all, she we're trying to play the long game, trying to not make anything
2: uh hurt the the big goal the big f- future goals
3: Oh for sure right because she's still young she's still only 26 so Yeah she's you know, still she's, a... she's
1: been around for a while because she was so talented like my first stint yeah. there in 2017 2018 she was junior she was in the a team group uh she was double junior world champion uh you know just Getting all the hype uh a little bit too much, of course, because this is yeah not not that easy uh but she's still she has minimum one more Olympics in her um, I hope she would consider more, but uh for everyone um it's nice to just see next Olympic as the main goal and then right. take it from there. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I hope she's around uh for what'll it be 2030. Yeah. Right? Cuz uh, maybe. That may be. Well, it's going to be here in the United States. That's that's why I'm oh. I'm selfishly hopeful that she's going to be here, isn't it? Yeah, maybe I okay. Or is because that I, or is that the one that's going to France? I think is that's that the one that's going to France? France first and then and then, no, then, and then right. Soldier Hollow? Yeah, or yeah. Yeah. Well, I had it wrong, but I, maybe she won't be here in 2034. That would be a hell of a career. Uh, don't
1: try. <laughs> At her mental st- status right now, we're not talking about Uh, 34. <laughs>
0: uh no. oh, man. That's a great great bridge, though, because I was going to ask, how do you feel about the uh, season ending in Soldier Hollow and then Camor?
1: Um, and and how does it impact
0: your preparation? And...
1: Um, I'm excited about it. I was um, not there for the last uh North American set of races, um, was that 19 or 2019? Because it was guess. a year
0: where they came to Camor, but not Soldier Hollow, I think.
1: Yeah, but there was somewhere else. Um, I can uh, actually,
3: I can just look it up real quick.
1: I think it was 19, I think it was the year after mm-hmm. Pyeongchang games. Uh, it so was. I was not yep. there. At that time uh with the Chinese team then we split up. I was home in Europe doing IBU Cups with that part of the team and uh other coaches were doing the World Cup. And um yeah, so I'm I'm excited about it. Canada is I would guess the biggest country I've never been to. Uh so hmm. that will be my first time cool. in Canada. Um and yeah. Uh I also saw that it will be the furthest west I ever traveled in the world. I traveled quite far north, uh <laughs> south, east and yeah, now this will be my new uh westernmost uh right, right travel. So I'm yeah. super excited about Very that. Cool. Um and I think it's great that we do this uh, North America tour every every now and then. Uh mm-hmm. uh-huh. there is so many great venues on the world cup uh, so many great places that deserve to have quite regular world cups so it's really hard to find right. uh, all the all the places in um but i think it's yeah we we should go there every uh every now and then and i'm looking forward to it
2: right
3: yeah it seems like the kind of thing they could make happen like once every olympic cycle so like um you know if the Olympics, like, you know, in 2020 and then, or 20, was it, 2022? Yeah. Two years ago? Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be 24 when they come here, and then, like, obviously, 26 in the Olympics, and then 28, they can come here again. Yeah. Anyway, that's just my dream.
1: And, um, mm-hmm. the like, I think it's correct to put it in, uh, at the end, like this, um, mm-hmm. right? Or- for sure i also I also love the season ending in in Oslo that's uh right, right. like everything is coming together at my home uh, mm-hmm. venue yeah <laughs> the weather's always beautiful there's no fog oh yeah um and everyone just had this uh, really relaxed uh, feeling about them like right. know, uh, so that's uh, I like Oslo to be the end but um. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I think it's completely correct to put it at uh, like the last trimester, because this this mm-hmm. traveling back and forward is, of course, a big challenge. And right. uh, putting it directly before a world championships, for instance, uh, we we saw then that some some teams uh, yeah. sometimes uh, skip it, skip it and do preparations right. instead. And that's I think one of the really really strong things about biathlon is that the um, all the main, like everyone is competing every weekend. All the races, the, the mm-hmm. big stars are always, always competing if you're comparing to uh, cross-country, for instance, where they are much more taking a weekend off and not competing here, not competing there. Uh, yeah, so that's one of the strengths about the uh, biathlon as a TV sport. Well,
0: Absolutely. if you want me to do some uh some, uh some exploring rides there or, or, uh, skis, then let me know. <laughs> Cause I, I go there every, uh, Monday night. So they just put in the new, uh, penalty loop because nice. they moved, uh, some things around on the range in Camor. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's looking really good. They're, they're building a new, uh, new building for spectators, et cetera. And, uh, it's, it's looking really nice because it was always cool, but it had the kind of an old vibe because it was from the uh, 1988 Olympics.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, it had some paint done and stuff, but it kind of looked a bit dated. So uh, the new building they're putting in is, uh, is quite spectacular. So hopefully it's all done in time and have some really good races there.
1: Yeah, I was um, uh, I was for one North America tour. that has to be back in. I was with the Swiss team, so that will be then back in 10, 11, 11, 12 or (laughs) something like that, Fort Kent and Presque Isle. And even though (laughs) uh, from like a spectator volume uh, perspective, it was not as uh, much, (laughs) of course, not as much spectators as you have in the main. European, uh, events, it was still like, a, a new experience, new, it was cool to go there and race was my general uh, memory. So, right. and yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, spectators are still not going to compare to, to what you have in Europe, but, uh, yeah, I just, I really hope that, uh, you know, people that do know Biathlon come out and, and cheer everyone on because uh, it would be quite exciting to, to see it on a TV rather than, you know, a few spectators yeah. here and there. Yeah. So Yeah, nobody wants to just see you and me there. And all it's the hard ourselves. thing, right? It's the… You know, it's such a small sport. I still, when I tell people I do biathlon, they ask, "Oh, don't you like biking?" Yeah, you know, because you're just doing <laughs> swimming and running and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've given all those I, answers I,
1: to to people when I tell them, uh, "Yeah, what, what 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 do you work with?" And then, oh, okay, I guess someone has to do that too. And uh, but what do you do in the summer? <laughs> like no, it's a full year job. We actually have to practice throughout the summer to race in the winter. Right. And you know, it's uh, yeah. yeah, I'm doing a lot of uh, explanation throughout my mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> my years uh, talking with people without this base knowledge of winter sports.
0: Yeah, is is a uh, biathlon. Kind of known in in Poland, or is it super small there as well?
1: For sure, ski jumping is one, two, and three. Right. Um, ah. Yeah. I don't have the, the the numbers, but they are. I think, it, like as a TV sport, it's for sure quite popular. Okay.
2: Um, yeah,
1: yeah. It's known, but not big. But uh, no other winter sport then ski jumping is big Um, Right. at the times of Justina Kowalczyk for sure cross country was super popular Um, Mm -hmm. but other than that there is like no historically big winter sport there so if we might squeeze out some success then for sure I think the interest will grow a little bit there is an open market behind ski jumping to be I
3: would say second right. biggest winter sport. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you have been incredibly generous with your time, and I know it's getting late. You have uh, racing starting tomorrow, right? So uh, it's already,
0: what, 9.30 think I, 9:30 I did have one time. more question. Oh, please, um, yeah. If, if you Go have there. time to Um uh, We were, while we were waiting for uh, for Jordan, we were uh, sharing back and forth some data and, and stuff. Um, How do you, do you use data at all for analyzing performance kind of over the season or just after the race? Or is that still kind of a, you know, it's nice that it's there, but I don't really read too much into it or.
1: No, no, I'm, I'm using all the data I can get my hand on and be able to process skiing times, you know, how you're developing your skiing time from loop to loop, like your pacing of uh, right. trying to analyze at times different sectors of the track. You know, why did you, uh, like lose a little bit more on this section? Uh, mm-hmm. trying to find out that stuff. Shooting speed, uh, is something that we have been working on, uh, quite a lot as a group. And sometimes, it's like my job to go into the data, find the specific numbers, and uh, put it into my training plans and my how I build up training sessions. Other times, it's up to me also to just present the uh, the data to an athlete. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, for instance, I took out all the all the. Um, Shooting times of uh, all races last season. Uh, looking at time between each shot, time range, time shooting time, time to the first shot, and for instance, for Natalia Sidorovich, we we just saw that like her shooting percentage, her shooting between each shot was basically exactly the same like Julia Simon, which was the fastest and uh, like the right. top athlete. But we saw that
2: she lose between four or five seconds often to the first shot. Hmm. And if you're shooting
1: four times and losing four or five seconds uh, to the first Hmm. shot, that's quite a lot. Extra (laughs)
0: penalty.
1: So then we just, uh, we and she in particular just worked super hard on this all all summer uh I presented her this data in in uh, in May and we did as a team a lot of work on it and she also did a hell of a job uh, individually and now she's not the fastest but for sure she's her shooting times are normally like if not top 10 of uh, she's Sniffing the top ten in total shooting time, and that means you are not losing a lot to many. Uh At least if you can keep your percentages up, then you are gaining uh, time on a lot of athletes and not losing too many. So, uh, in that kind of way, and yeah, I look at the course times. I look at the average position of our team. uh, What kind of Uh course times
2: you are doing on average as a team? Um, to try to to see what kind of, uh,
1: of course it can ask yeah. There are so many things that can influence this stuff. So you you, do, right. you it's hard to you shouldn't overanalyze. Uh, for instance, okay, now we're scoring uh, five spots better on the pure course time as a team, and that means that right. the last training session we did is the correct one and not the one that we did uh, two weeks ago you know because this can also be the waxing it can also be other factors Mm -hmm. like uh, if this track is suiting our strengths or if this track is actually not that uh yeah great for us and strengths we have as a team so there is you try to use data, you try to analyze it, and you try to keep yourself from over analyzing and
2: making right. truth just based on narrow data. So, yeah, that's a, I would say a
1: no, stupid yes, no very... to a yes and no to everything <laughs> uh, kind of answer.
0: Yeah. No, but I, and I always like, cause I am, you know, fair to say a data nerd but I always try to make really clear, like I don't see it as a replacement for what you see and, and coaching that already exists. But I think when you based on, you know, your expertise and knowledge and you look at an athlete and you kind of feel like things are improving and then the data shows the same, then it's just, you know, another step closer to being more sure about what's going on. So, um, and it can highlight some things that, you know, maybe you just don't see in the long run and, like you said with you know little uh, pockets where you can add some some mm-hmm. improvement and then it can be really helpful but uh.
1: yeah that's just the sport like it's just so many small areas some of them very visible yeah. and some of, them, some of them um very difficult to spot like there is so many right. seconds around there that you can catch or lose and um yeah again my Estonian service guys saying like, "Why, if they just why don't they just shoot faster and better?" You know, then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. We tried to yeah. do that, but we couldn't this time. But maybe we'll yeah. try a yeah. little bit harder next time,
0: or
2: <laughs>
1: or we'll be a little
0: bit more successful when we try uh, equally hard. So, all right. well, you mentioned the uh, the sector times and that kind of thing. That's actually an analysis that I'm just working on right now. So if I spot anything for your athletes I'll let you know for sure. Thank you. I I try to get as much data in and
1: try to sort it out in my own head and yeah, see what's uh, what I can use, what I can give to the athlete, what yeah, what I should
2: keep to myself. Right. Uh, yep.
0: Yeah. Right. Jordan, did you have any last question or?
3: Yeah, how's your golf game been? Huh. Um, uh, being traveling uh,
1: as much as I do, and then yeah. uh, and like when I travel, I I'm not the kind of coach that would bring my golf clubs to to training camp and then say, uh, "Yeah, I'm going golfing." You just do your second training Go practice. Like that's not sure. my style. Yeah. Uh yeah. So I'm doing basically all my golfing at home and uh, if I've just been away for two three weeks then not that I want to but (laughs) it would not be very popular if I would say I'm uh, I'm spending six hours on a Saturday uh, golfing so uh, I do 90% of my golfing uh, when the kids are in kindergarten and at school uh, and the wife's yeah. at work. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh so that's like Monday to Friday between 10 and 2. So I I try to squeeze in right. some rounds there but for sure yeah, I should probably get some coaching but I'm stubborn enough to think that no no I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out myself and uh,
3: I am not so yeah. So uh the the picture you have on your your Twitter profile uh like the the banner uh picture at the top i'm gonna to assume that's not your home course
1: really no uh, yeah that's, uh, <laughs> that's for sure one of the more scenic places i i play that's uh yeah the the musa uh lake uh is really nice uh, in close to uh-huh. the Elhammer, uh region but uh yeah that's from spain if i
3: okay yeah, I was going to yep. say the the palm trees looked a little out of place for for Lillehammer. I think
1: yeah, that's actually Canary <laughs> Islands when I when I yeah. Hmm.
2: Uh
3: it looks it looks
1: glamorous. Yeah, it was it was really and uh thanks to my wife for that giving me the afternoon to to play around the golf at, <laughs> uh, that uh, <laughs> yeah. that that uh, yeah. holiday.
3: Well, hopefully uh next time you hit the course you are warmed by all of the uh the great successes you guys had this season.
1: Thank you. I, I'm a, a realistic optimist, trying to to balance the being yeah. positive and optimistic about mm-hmm. everyone's potential, and then also being realistic about ups and downs. You know, in our sport.
3: Well, I mean, it's been a heck of a start for you guys, so. Um, yeah. yeah no i think a lot of people are excited about it and and uh, just keep doing it right yeah yeah why why not <laughs> just do it again what's wrong with yeah. you guys <laughs> Ninth and 11th place every time
1: yeah yeah well, i'll i'll uh, i forgot to mention to the girls but i'll, I'll tell them at breakfast tomorrow that
3: they just have to yeah that's it yeah yeah we'll, we'll just let know that that us two idiots said that that's all it's all it takes yeah. um <laughs> thanks again i honestly this has been awesome i really appreciate it um i i Seriously, can't thank you enough, and uh, we'll we'll definitely have to do it again. Thank you, guys. Keep.
1: I will uh, see you in camera. Uh, yeah, we will see you in camera. Keep spreading, uh, spreading media, spreading positivity around Biathlon. Get the interest yeah. up. Uh, Absolutely over there, and, and yeah,
3: you better believe that I'm going to be saying something about the Estonian wax guys on your team now, right? So yeah, <laughs> yeah they deserve it. they deserve all yeah. the
1: credit they can get and some of the banter they can get
3: yeah (laughs) right (laughs) all right well uh uh good luck this weekend um and uh we'll talk soon thank you guys